Ecclesiastes. We're going to go to the book of Ecclesiastes and chapter number one this morning. Ecclesiastes and chapter number one. I'm very thankful several that have been sick down with the sickness that's going around or back in church this morning. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for that. We've been praying for a lot of folks, and, and God is faithful. I appreciate your presence this morning, and thank you visitors for being with us, man. We love visitors around here. We're very thankful you're here. Hope you've already been made to feel at home. Ecclesiastes chapter number one, look at verse number one, if you'll follow along. I'm going to read down, uh, not a lot. If you'll follow along, I'll try to read. The Bible says, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit hath a man of all his labor which he taketh under the sun? One generation passeth away, and another generation cometh. But the earth abideth forever. The sun also ariseth, and the sun goeth down. And hasteth to his place where he arose. The wind goeth toward the south, and turneth about unto the north. It whirleth about continually, and the wind returneth again according to his circuits. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. Unto the place from whence the rivers come, thither they return again. All things are full of labor. Man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. The thing that hath been, it is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun. Is there anything whereof it may be said, See, this is new. It hath been already of old time, which was before us. There is no remembrance of former things, neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are to come with those that shall come after. Um, If you'll leave your Bible open, we're going to visit this portion of Scripture a little bit as we go uh, through the message this morning uh, with this thought. Life needs a destination. Preacher, why are we here on this world? Well, God makes it clear. But we all have to be, uh, we all have to be decided to go the way that God would have us to go. We really do. Because life needs a destination. Let's pray. We'll get right on into it. Father, one more time and one last time, we just ask for your guidance and your power. Oh, Lord, to preach this message the way that you'd have it done. Thank you, Lord, for the good people that are here this morning and those that are watching by live stream. We just pray your word would go out and do what only it can do. And again, there may be someone in here this morning that does not know Christ as their Savior. Lord, please convict them deeply. Convict them deeply. We can't save them. We know that. We can't make them get saved. We know that. Lord, we pray you'd convict them so deeply that they'd realize that that's their biggest need and may even come to know Christ today before they leave this place. That's our desire. I know it's your desire. We need your help as we preach. We pray that you'd guide and direct and thank you for your goodness and anything that goes on, uh, Lord, uh, 
we'll give you honor and glory for it. For we ask all these things in the perfect name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing, for the reading of the Word of God. And please do be seated. The key phrase in Ecclesiastes is under the sun. Uh, Ecclesiastes Ecclesiastes gives us a uh, humanistic worldly view of life. Uh, Solomon takes elements of the earthly life, attempting to make sense out of them, uh, sense of them without God. Uh, Like millions before him and like millions today, uh, Solomon attempted to find purpose and satisfaction and happiness in life without God. In the opening verses of this chapter summarized that he learned from that experience. Life without God is a life without a destination. A life without God is a life that really leads to nothing. It is vanity. I, I mean, it's empty of meaning and it's empty of purpose. And the conclusion, that conclusion, causes Solomon to open Ecclesiastes on a note of hopelessness. In these introductory verses, uh, Solomon describes life like a, like a merry-go-round. Um, a lot of motion, but it takes you nowhere. You can push it to its limits, but it can do nothing more than just go around in circles. And that's the way that Solomon viewed life on earth. He saw humanity... Come on, brain. He saw humanity spending helplessly with no destination, with no destiny. And so Solomon decided that there was little more to life than the thrill of the ride. However, even the fastest spin, even the fastest spin on a merry-go-round soon loses its thrill. And we want off the ride. We don't want any more to do with that. And that was the problem Solomon, uh, he, uh, he, he, he saw it. And if life is like a merry-go-round, then there's no way off. And when the thrill is gone, we're stuck on the ride, just going in circles, going through life with no other destination but the grave, just waiting for that time. And certainly a life like that's pointless. There's no point to it whatsoever. And so life needs a destination. We, We need to live with a sense of destiny. There's a lot of secular philosophers, ancient and modern, they've reached the same conclusion. And that leads us to a very important question, which is this. Who determines what our destination will be? So Solomon's theory was a spin view of life. And really, he starts out with this, verse number two, vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Here's what he says. Now, come on, here's what he says. There's no point to life. That's why he starts out. Really very, very hopeless. Because Solomon saw that life was fleeting. Solomon saw that life was pointless. When Solomon says that all is vanity, he's saying that attempting to find satisfaction from the things of this world is like a, it's like a thirsty man running through the fog with his tongue hanging out, trying to gather enough moisture out of the air to satisfy his thirst. But that can't be done. It just cannot be done. And then in verse number three, he says this, what profit hath a man 
of all his labor which he hath taken, uh, which he taketh under the sun. So he says this, there's no profit to life. Solomon questioned whether men even actually gain anything from life. What are we doing here? Why do we just go through the same old, same old all the time? Men work a lifetime. They never seem to have enough. And when they die, whatever they do have, they just leave it all behind. And so Solomon asked, if this life is all there is, when it's over, what has any man gained from all the work that he's done? What is it? Solomon's equation for determining the profit of life may be written like this. Life's pleasure minus life's pain equals X. The unknown factor. What's the deal? What's it worth? And generation after generation needs to evaluate by that same equation. Truly. The conclusion of Solomon is that life um, gets a man nowhere. Well, this is real uplifting, isn't it? Well, everybody's just so encouraged by this so far. But that's where he's at. That's where he, that's where, that's, that's where he is at this time. So, so man boards a merry-go-round. He spins aimlessly through life and only gets off when he dies. And then his spot's filled by somebody else who accomplishes no more than the man who occupied that space before him. Come on, one generation passes away, another generation comes. And no one takes anything more out of this life than he possessed when he entered into it. Men are born, they live, they work, they die. Here on a planet that's really just spinning in endless, aimless circles around the sun. And so he begins to talk about that using the evidence of nature. Um, Under the sun, there is only endless repetition. Verse number uh, 8 there. All things are full of labor. Man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. All things are full of labor. And so he goes on and talks about how the sun rises and sets, and then it it rises again to, and inaugurates a new day, but it's the same old sun. Come back around. It hasteth to its place. Well, he says it, it hasteth to its place, but when it arrives, it shines down on that same old world. Same old ball of dirt. Then it repeats its um, montonious routine. Day after day after day after day. Then he talks about the wind and says, well, it's a little less predictable, but it travels its uh, wearisome circuits also. And it was that fact, we know, of course, that allowed the ancient seafarers, the ones out there sailing to cross the oceans, they knew that the wind that took them west would be blowing east a few hundred miles to the north and to the south. I mean, they knew what all that was about and he talks about the water the water cycle also demonstrates the same regularity 
I mean, the rain falls down, it runs into the rivers, the rivers run into the ocean only to evaporate and then continue the same cycle. Same old thing. Come on, day after day, month after month, year after year, decade after decade, century after century. It's been the same thing. He's pointing it out. And here's the thing, Solomon viewed a man's life in the same way. Full of repetitious labor that never satisfies. Day in, day out, same old, same old. Just keep doing what you're doing. When the eye has seen all that it can see and the ear has heard all that it can hear, a man's still not satisfied. No fulfillment. He's left feeling that there has to be something else. There has to be something more to life. But he cannot find what that something is under the sun. Verse number 9 there says, The thing that hath been, it is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. And there's no new thing under the sun. Solomon saw human history like a, uh, like a play that's performed over and over and over again. Same play. Oh, the actors change, the audience changes, and all, but uh, it's the same old plot. I mean, come on, each, each set of actors think that they're experiencing something new, but they're really caught up in the same play as the preceding generation and, and the one before that and the one before that. And Solomon's not saying this. He's not saying that history repeats itself, only that really man makes no progress. He's presenting, of course, in this, he's presenting a secular view of life to show how empty of purpose that life is without God. Only God knows how to make life work. He's the one that put us here. He's the one that put the earth here. He has a plan. A plan. For all the progress that mankind has made, nothing in the world really changes. Nothing really changes. No, I'm saying no matter how many new things that men may experience, life itself just considers continues in the same old pattern. Day after day, week after week, month after month, and year after year. And, and, and Solomon didn't mean that man makes no new discoveries that are, that are new to him, of course. And, and that men could, couldn't invent something that did not exist before. He's not talking about that. He's not talking about those things. I, uh, preacher, I don't even know what you're talking about. Good grief, your life's so different than it was 500 years ago and all these different things. Uh, well, uh, you know, we have new discoveries and we have, you know, a lot of technology and all that. But life hasn't changed. No, I'm talking about life. You know, the life that God gives us. 
You know, going to bed every night, getting up every morning. Going through the day. Oh, we may have a lot of things that cloud our mind and get in our way and cause us to err. But life is still the same. Even with all the new inventions that are out there. Because Solomon is talking about the way that people live. The way they live. You know, we, we may have all types of new weapons out there, but, but they're used to fight the same old wars and, and continue the hatred man has harbored against other men since Cain and Abel. Cain didn't need an AR-15. He just got himself a rock. The problem we have today in our world is not a gun problem. It's a hate problem. And of course, we've invented thousands of gadgets to make our lives more comfortable and more thrilling. But have they, uh, but have they satisfied our appetite for more things? I say nay, nay. Seems like the more you have, the more you want. The more new stuff that comes out, the more new stuff we want to come out. And life goes on. We have compiled volumes and volumes of new facts about our world, for sure. We've done that. But has it led men really to the ultimate answer to the questions of life? No, because there, are all, there is always someone that's looking for that. Why are we here? Why do we go through what we go through? Why do we face what we face? How are we supposed to handle it? What are we supposed to do about it? Same thing. Uh, verse number 11 says, There is no remembrance of former things, neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are to come with those that shall come after. So that verse is a perfect summary of our, our scientific age where today's innovation is old technology tomorrow. There's really nothing new under the sun. And if the deep satisfaction that men seem to be looking for in this life, if it cannot be found under the sun, then we have to look for it someplace else. The satisfaction. The Apostle Paul said that I have learned in whatever state I am in, therewith to be content. <clears throat> Before I got saved in April 1984, living a life of drugs and alcohol, I was not content at all. I was searching. 
I was, for, I was searching for something I couldn't find. Peace. Fulfillment. Purpose in life. My dad was a drunk, old rough cowboy, hard, hard man, told me I wouldn't be worth nothing. A lot. I guess I began to believe him. I figured if I'll never be worth anything, I can just live my life any way I want to live it. Do whatever I want to do. And so I set out to find purpose in what this world had to offer. And you know what I found? Nothing. Heartache. Heartbreak. I tried alcohol. That never did anything except compound my problems. I tried drugs. That never did anything but cloud my vision and create a world that was not even real. I tried the things that this world had to offer, searching, looking. Nothing satisfied. Well, preacher, you know, it kind, of, it kind of takes you away from the world for a while. Yeah, but this world's always the same when we come back, isn't it? It's always the same old world. None of that stuff is real. It's an illusion. It causes us to hope in something that's never going to last. That's why people get addicted to drugs and alcohol. Because it's like if they can stay in that state of stupor, everything is okie-dokie. But then that leads to more pain and heartache and misery, doesn't it? No, no, there's nothing good about it. I've seen it destroy so many lives, I don't even like to think about it. I've seen it destroy so many homes, it just makes my heart ache. I've seen it destroy so many marriages... No, 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 because, because either husband and wife does not have their eye on God. And if a couple is not headed the same direction, it's not going to work out well for them in the end. It's not going to be everything that God intended for it to be. This world has so much to offer. Not really. Not with real purpose. You think about the countless number of people who have attained um, uh, success in the business world and have bank accounts that you and I could only dream about. And still many of them take their own lives. And the ones that don't, in marriage after marriage after marriage die with some horrible disease because they've drank too much alcohol or waste their mind on drugs. 
No, this world doesn't really have anything to offer that's going to be of any substantial good. I'm thankful for the sunshine. Very thankful for it. I'm thankful for the water. I'm thankful for the beauty of the creation. I'm thankful for it. There's times that I just love to mindlessly stare at the sky and the clouds and everything. No, 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 no. Come on, just taking in God's creation. I don't want to make it any better than God, but he did give us the creation. But it doesn't offer anything that's going to be of any value, especially when we leave this world. The only thing that's going to matter when we take our last breath is whether or not we have trusted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. And of course, knowing Christ as our Savior, it offers us eternity with God. Which is a wonderful thing. No, no, to think about we get to spend eternity. Well, how long is that? Can't measure it. He offers his us eternity with him. Brother Cole, I love that fact. To think that I get to spend eternity with God, with the Lord Jesus Christ, amazing. In a very real place called heaven, I can't wait to see it. It's going to be, it's going to be awesome. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So much better than the place I was headed before I trusted Christ, that place called hell, which is very real also. Well, it is. But so many people miss out because, yeah, they want that escape from hell. They don't want to have to go there. They want to spend eternity with God. They want their sins forgiven and all those things. But hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. Salvation is not just about that we would go to heaven one of these days. I'll say it again. Salvation is not just about that we would go to heaven one of these days. Salvation is a new birth. It's a new life. It's it's a God that gives us and shows us purpose. Because he's the one that placed us here. So when we were born, God already had a plan set for us. He already had that plan set for us. So once we are saved by the grace of God, if we allow him to guide us through this life, Brother Charles, the sun's going to go down this evening. And good Lord willing, it'll come up in the morning. And we'll have another day tomorrow. The air's still going to be here to breathe. 24 hours in a day, the clock just keeps going around, doesn't it? Yep. And we can get up and we can go to bed. Time and time again, and have no real purpose in this life. Why am I here? What is is my purpose? I'm telling you that God has purpose. And we need a destination in this life, absolutely. And I'm so thankful again that my destination is heaven. This world is not my home. I have a home waiting for me. 
But we need a destination in this life. And that should be God's destination for us. I don't even like to think about it, but before I got saved, I hurt so many people. I don't even like to think about it. And since I've been saved, my prayer so much, Brother Doug, is just this, Lord, let me help somebody. Somewhere along the way, put me in somebody's path, put put somebody in my path that that I can help. That I can help to come to know Christ as their Savior. That I can help to live the life that God has for them on this earth. Because there's no better life to live than that. And when we're not following God, listen to me, listen to me, please. If you're saved, hallelujah. But if we're not following God on our journey after we're saved, we are going to miss so many opportunities to be a blessing to other people instead of being a curse. It really grieves my heart to think that people would get saved by the grace of God and then they would not let their light shine before men. Because there's so many that we pass by every day that need the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. And without that thought in our mind, we just go through life, get up, Go through the day, go to bed, get up, go through the day, go to bed, get up, go through the day, go to bed. No, no. And we're looking for self-satisfaction. It's a good day when we get to do what we want to do. When we get to go where we want to go. When we get to live where, how we want to live. What about the fulfillment that God can give you if you just decide to go the direction He'd have you to go? It can't be compared. I'll say it again. It can't be compared. I lived my life my way for a long time. I've now lived for God more years than that. And I'm thankful. Just by the grace of God. Just by the grace of God. I pretty much tried everything this world had to offer. But I would never trade those years for the years that I've lived since that time. There's no way. There's no comparison. You can't even begin to compare it. And the only ones that have not... No, 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 listen to me, listen to me. I'm, I'm, I'm right at done. The only ones that have not experienced that. I'm talking about those that have been born again. Those that have trusted Christ. The only ones that have not experienced that are the ones that just continue to ride the merry-go-round. Just spinning aimlessly. Day after day, same old, same old. Have not submitted themselves to God, God's way, doing what God would have them to do. Well, preacher, God's way, it's so, man, it's so, oh, it's so diametrically opposed to the direction of this world, right? It is. 
Well, sometimes that's hard, though, because people don't understand, right? I know. I know. And so it's just hard to do it. But hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. If, if you would do it and just practice it, no matter how hard it may seem, there's great enjoyment in it. There's great fulfillment in it. There's great peace in it. It satisfies like nothing else. It's not vanity. Yep, the world keeps on spinning. Sure does. Sun comes up, goes down. Yep. Rains into the rivers. Rivers run into the ocean. Evaporates. It happens again. Mm-hmm. Yep. Definitely happens over and over again. We need a real destination in this life. If you're saved by the grace of God, you should desire that. I'll say it again. If If you're truly saved by the grace of God, there should be some desire in there for that. Truly. Let me read this to you. I'm going to write it down. Stay with me. Uh, C.S. Lewis wrote this. He said, The Christian says, Creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exist. A baby feels hunger. Well, there's such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim. Well, there's such a thing as water. Men feel sexual desire. Well, there's such a thing as sex. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. This world cannot satisfy the desire that God put in here. It can't. No, 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 no. Even after I got saved, 14 months, I got away from God. I hate that part of my testimony too, but I did. But this world cannot satisfy the things that, the, the desire that God has put in here. I have been made for another world. Earthly pursuits and earthly pleasures are never meant to satisfy. Listen to me, I'm done. Are never meant to satisfy the uh, the uh, void in our lives that only God can fill. There's a void in there that only God can fulfill. Earth is not our destination. Eternity is our destination. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. We're to seek living for God. God, what would you have me do with my life? How would you have me to live my life? Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2 says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. That's pretty clear direction, isn't it? Life only satisfies when you have the right destination. And you set your heart on satisfying, get this, 
on satisfying heavenly longings. When we discover our desire for God, we ought to determine to live for nothing else. It'll change your life. It'll change your home. It'll change your marriage. It'll change your it'll change your relationship with your children. It will change the way that you look at each day when you get out of bed. Truly. Nothing satisfies like what God has for us.